Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. She's obviously approaching menopause, given the -the over-the-top emotional tweet she sent out yesterday. Clad in a lovely checkered skirt and a white blouse that her bride picked out for her, I give you Phil Mackey's radio partner, (laughs) Judd Zolgad. (laughs) He is a fraud. Hi, Kenny. How are you? He is a fraud. I am ashamed Would you like to wish me a happy 25th wedding anniversary? You have that chance right now. I love husband of the year here. Hey, let's take a selfie and put it out to the masses, unless there's a game on, in which case, sorry, honey. Uber or a cab. You can always get home from the airport. It's called love. By the way, I love you, baby. <laughs> Are you going to take this? Oh, Are you going to take this I from me? I think him? it's hilarious. Uh, yes. Yes, I, I am. Because I thought Kenny, like many, would be happy for me, would be liking my Twitter photo. 25 years of wedded bliss, and instead he comes in here and completely rips me. Any man who, when waking up from a blackout drunk, would erase that tweet. Obviously not you. (laughs) I am proud. I am proud that I've got through 25 years. Good luck, Phil. Have fun. Got through 25 years. I am proud. Got through 25 years. That's a great way to put it. It's not always easy, but I've gotten through 25 (laughs) years. Especially when when your loving wife just wants a ride back from the airport. Sorry, honey. I have to to vault the wild's carcass right now. I had to work the locker room. <laughs> oh, sorry. I had, I had to, lost I had to two pick nothing. the guts of the third line. They, had to, they lost two nothing. It was well worth it. I had to get answers. Is Jump. she, she going to get anything in, in the divorce? Are you worth anything at all? Should we start? Take coll- one guess. Should we start collecting Take one money? Guess. Let's pass the hat for Judd's future ex-wife because <laughs> she's going to leave his ass. All I know is two days ago I went to Tiffany and picked out a very nice little trinket. Okay. <laughs> uh, get on with the show, Phil. Good. You luck. know, Kenny. Uh, they were at lunch the other day, Don and Judd, and uh, Judd ordered some soup, and the, the waiter said, "Would you like a bowl of soup?" And Judd goes, "No, I'll take." A cop. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, there's your sign. Right there. Oh, all she had to do was take an Uber home from the airport. It was no big deal, okay? Uh-huh. Husband of the year. And then I took a selfie that I tweeted out. Look at a lot very of good. likes. Very good. A lot of people were very happy. You know what? Kenny. If only if only Glenn Taylor <laughs> and Jimmy Butler and Jimmy Butler's agent could be on the same page as much as the Zolgads. Lack of days ago on both ends of the floor. Um, we didn't take anything away from them. They got whatever shot that they wanted, whether it be a three, a layup, a free throw line. Um, that, and whenever that happens, they score 50 points in a quarter. I don't think disappointing is the word. I just think that we know that we can be better and we have to do better. But uh, 
it's not over yet. It's still the first person to, to four, first team to four. Um, we just got to go and um, get one here in Houston. All right. There's a lot to unpack here. Just in the last 48 hours or so, agendas coming to the forefront in Wolves land right now. You and I have been going combing through three different stories here. Jimmy Butler spoke to the Chicago Sun-Times. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler's agent, who we actually tried to get on the show today and said, I, I'll just let what I said to, uh, to Jace Frederick stand as it is. Uh, he spoke to the Pioneer Press, and Glenn Taylor spoke with our friend Chad Hartman on The Good Neighbor down the dial. And basically, you've got all three of these guys questioning some aspect of the makeup of the team or the franchise from different perspectives. So just to sum it up, and we can dive into some of these quotes, but Glenn Taylor refused to call the season a success when asked to sort of evaluate. And this is, by the way, in the middle of a playoff series. Their season is not over yet. I mean, it pretty much is. But but that's that's still not the playoffs. Uh, Keep going. So he, he, he refused to call the season a success. Yes. He elected to refrain from diving into Tom Thibodeau's future, saying, I want to wait till... Like, expectations are high. I want to wait till the playoffs play out to see, you know, how I feel about it. And he said Jimmy Butler needs to recruit better players this offseason to play for less money because that's what the better teams in the NBA are doing. Like, their star players, and he's right, are recruiting. Jimmy Butler openly questioned to the Chicago Sun-Times teammates' desire to win and do the right things and how nobody outside of him and Tom Thibodeau really understands, like, what an obsession with winning feels like. And then Jimmy Butler's agent took issue with the Pioneer Press, uh, through, through the Pioneer Press, with just about everything Glenn Taylor said and made it clear Butler isn't guaranteed to stick around after next year. Although, like, hey, things are going pretty well here, but my client wants to win and win big and not sure if this is the place where that's going to happen. In the middle of a playoff run, yeah. these guys are all talking to the media. Yeah, it's it's uh, so let's let's start here. Let's start with the fact that I, I think that a lot of this is um, is Butler and his agent who loved Tibbs trying to defend Tibbs. So let's start with what uh, Taylor told Chad about Tibbs and why it's so odd. Essentially, if I am reading this entire situation right, Glenn Taylor uh, told Chad that he doesn't want to talk about Tibbs' future, that his expectation was not just a, a successful season to get to the playoffs, but now a, a successful playoff run, which is clearly not going to, to be the case since there's a very good chance that they are going to get eliminated tonight in Houston. And here's what I find so intriguing. Tibbs has a contract. So unless you're playing, this isn't Chuck Fletcher. This isn't a guy in last year of his contract who you're saying, hold on a second here. I might not keep him. Yes. This is a guy with an active contract with years left. So the only thing that we can deduct from this is that is that uh, the owner of the Wolves, in this case, Glenn Taylor, is actively evaluating Tom Thibodeau's future with his contract still, what, three years left or so? Yeah. Here's the, the, point, the point being is the only thing to read into this right now is he's thinking about firing him. Well, and let, let's let's I'm going to read the uh, the anecdote here as summarized in the Pioneer Press. As of Monday, Glenn Taylor told WCCO. It was still too soon to classify the season as a success because the expectations were raised when Minnesota brought an influx of veteran talent in last offseason in Jimmy Butler, Taj Gibson, Jeff Teague, and Jamal Crawford. Glenn Taylor didn't think to improve... Glenn, this is... Hold on, this is kind of a choppy sentence. Sorry, Jace. Uh, Taylor didn't think to improve any less than Minnesota did this season would necessarily be acceptable, meaning like 
they met the bare minimum requirement is how I read that. You had to make it, right? you had to make the playoffs. Yeah, he met like the, they met the bare minimum requirement yes. of like mid forties win total, eight seed. Now Butler got hurt, so you could I mean you could split hairs there. Taylor said he'd wait until the conclusion of the playoffs to evaluate Tom Thibodeau's performance, noting a major reason why he brought Tibbs to Minnesota was to steer the Wolves to postseason success. But think about this. Glenn is almost setting this up to frame it if they get let's say they get smoked tonight. It's almost like he's setting it up to frame it as a disappointing season. Three years left on the contract of Tom Thibodeau, first playoff appearance in 14 years, sold out arenas, and something about the whole thing rubs Glenn Taylor the wrong way. Otherwise, I mean you don't get You don't talk about his future. You don't you don't get that. You don't you don't get you don't get Jimmy Butler saying what he said about and we'll get to some of those full quotes too, but like the summary is He's disappointed with the lack of sort of players on the team, and it seems like he's referring directly to Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns, not understanding what it takes to win and what it takes to, you know, to, to grind out playoff games. You don't get people talking like this during a playoff run yes. if everybody is 100% on the same page and striving for a common goal. It just feels very, very much like there's different agendas and people with different ideas about how the rope should be pulled. And yet it feels so Wolves-like, right? It feels so. It feels like you finally got something here, and and I don't don't know if it's completely going in the right direction, but at least you're in the playoffs for the first time, as you just said, in 14 years, and you feel like, all right, you're at least sort of on the right track, and you have this, which seems to me to be not there yet, but bordering on some type of chaos, because you've got your, your veteran star players saying... It's me and the coach, and we get it, and you don't. You've got the owner coming back and saying, "I don't know that that this is this is exactly what I want," and and th- therefore a coach who has several years left on his contract could be in trouble. And you also have Tibbs and definitely Butler dumping on your two young potential star players. This feels, unfortunately, this yeah. feels so Timberwolves-like, and it feels like it's going to get, for lack of a better term, on a family show, goofed it up very is, quickly. Yeah, it's. And remember this too, when you when when people go on the record, whether it was Taylor on the radio or Jimmy Butler to it was jo- Joe Cowley who covered him in Chicago for a long time. And the theme of the article was like, could Jimmy Butler come back to Chicago at some point? And they explored sort of his time in Minnesota. When someone goes on the record and Bernie Lee, his agent, they're really only telling you maybe ten to twenty percent of what they actually think. And like pretty rarely does someone go on the record and, and full on blast. And the agent only does that. If he's talked to the player who says, go ahead and talk. Yeah. So this is essentially, this is the agent probably saying what he thinks to a certain degree, but more importantly, it's been stamped by Jimmy Butler. Yeah. So, so Jimmy Butler is getting everything he wants out through Bernie Lee. So if, if you go, go to the Pioneer Press story and read that one right now by Jace, what you're essentially reading is what Jimmy Butler is telling Bernie Lee, go ahead and say it publicly. Uh, also worth noting, I, Bernie Lee popped in. Doogie and I were chatting with some Wolves fans on Twitter last week about game one and the Wolves not getting the ball down low to Carl Anthony Towns and taking advantage of some mismatches. And Bernie Lee jumped into the conversation to me and Doogie on Twitter and said it was it was a clip of Towns posting up on Chris Paul and then not getting the ball and then like rotating to the corner. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing here, that video doesn't show what you think it shows, dot, dot, dot. 
Meaning, like, we think it shows they're not making an effort to and get the ball to their, to their best offensive saying, player. And he's saying it doesn't show what you think it shows. Meaning, gotcha. like, yeah. Towns is not doing something. Which is so what, there's clearly, like, an anti-Towns Wiggins agenda yes. on the Jimmy Butler side. Yes. There's more meat on this bone. We're going to get to it here. But, uh, ding, ding. Yeah. Swung on and into the air to right. It is high. It is far. It is gone. A Judgian blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Pitch to Sanchez. Swung on and drilled to deep right center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. The Sanchino. Oh, that Gary is scary. Swung on and drilled to deep center field. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. Monument Park. The Sanchino strikes again. Oh, that Gary is scary. He's so bored, but John Sterling's so bored. I am too. I know. Too. Okay, so I so, I did not watch a single pitch yes. of that game last night. This because to me, I have no more desire to watch Twins Yankees baseball. This like, to me is breaking news. You you love the sport. This is Twins Yankees. This should be a series. Oh, and but by the way, it's not just Twins Yankees. It's Barrio starting. And you're telling me you did not watch. Matter. Wait, 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 wait. But you're telling me so you did not watch a pitch of this game? No. See to me that's shocking. I didn't. That says that's. That I watched. I watched lot. mediocre NBA playoff games. There's a couple really like grinded out bad games, and I stuck with those. But I stuck with Bucks Celtics and Heat Sixers for it, three hours and did not kicked watch. Kicked off at five thirty though. Yeah. No, I know. I avoided. I honest to god, I did not watch a single pitch of the game last night. I, I'm surprised too because I figured Barrios against the Yankees point? lineup, you would have been intrigued no. to see if he can shove. Okay, what's the point at this? Like, like the, they they are on a 120 loss pace against the Yankees the last 17 years. Yes, mm-hmm. they are. There's no. Like, and last night, what was the what was the difference? Like they they again they gave up. What did they give up last night? So was it 10 runs? Eight, eight? to three. So eight, eight runs. Three. They've given up eight or more runs in their last four matchups. Yeah, got they hit. can't beat the Yankees. I just don't see the point in watching it anymore. I'm not going to watch. T- is it tonight or today? Is it a day game? They go 5:30 again tonight, and then a day game tomorrow. Yeah. Lance four Lance game. Are you done? Sunny gray tonight. I don't have any desire. Like, like, what is your desire to watch the Yankees continue to beat the Twins eight to two every single time they play? Barrio starts. Pathetic. I'll watch. I don't care who he starts against. I'll watch those starts tonight. I'm not tonight. I probably won't. But I it's am pathetic. But I, I that surprises me. That we're in April here, and I know they don't win there, but a Barrio start that, that you elected not to watch a game that started, as Dave said, at 5.30 and then stayed with two sort of drab blot NBA games. There's that, nothing that left to, to me sp- speak, but that to me speaks volumes. That speaks, because if you don't watch it, that that means a lot of people are checking out. But there, But there's nothing left to say about it. I mean, it's... They can. It doesn't matter who they bring to Yankee Stadium. They can bring Urban Santana after a career season. They can bring Jose Barrios after a historical start to the season. Like no pitcher in Twins franchise history has ever started a season like this, where you go seven scoreless three times in four starts and strike out the batters. He like it literally doesn't matter who they bring over seventeen years to that stadium or to the other stadium that was much more hallowed. Yeah, that it's the same result. Cool. And so until they change the narrative. I mean, I might duck in and out the next two nights, but I just have no interest. I'm I'm defeated on behalf of the Twins and wow. the Twins fan base. You've thrown in the towel. You've you guys are acting shocked. Like it's a no, it's I'm a so foregone conclusion. What happens in these games? I'm surprised. I'm not saying it's not it's it's worth watching just Twins versus Yankees because you're right. It is a foregone conclusion. It is the same story day after day. But I'm I'm surprised as Judd is that you didn't tune in to see. Hey, first couple innings. Let's see if 
Jose can do something. Let's watch the kid twirl a few and uh, see if he can put uh, Aaron Judge and Stanton and Sanchez and Gregorius and the rest of the bleeping lineup. And the bitch is swung on and driven a deep right. It is going to be a fair ball. Another home run for Mr. Gregorius. Yes, indeedy. Didi Gregorius make Yankee fans euphorious. Yeah, I don't, like, I don't uh, need it. I don't uh, yeah, need it. Not really. It doesn't need to All be right. part of my life anymore. Okay. I'm not going to continue. This is. I'm not going to continue to put my hand on a scalding hot stove. See you Friday night then. Yep. You'll be back on Friday. Who do they play this weekend? The Reds. Okay, they should be able to beat the, the Reds. Reds. I hope they can beat the <laughs> Reds. Yeah. Uh, here's a tweet. They didn't beat Tampa, so someone tweets into the show, and I don't. I'm sorry. Like I don't know. What to tell you here, Joe? He says, "Hey, Mackie and Judd, can you talk me and other worried Twins fans off the ledge on the show today?" No, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like not the Twins Yankees ledge. They're going to be eight and twelve when they go back to face the Reds, and they're going to have a seven game losing streak. Yep. I can't help. I can't help you. Now, can they come back from a four games under five hundred hole when the you know Reds and they play some home games? I mean, maybe, but it's not ideal. I think missing a week and then having to face good pitchers mm-hmm. and then the Yankees lineup. You know, you got some bad luck there with the blizzard that hit, record blizzard. But, yeah, I got nothing. All right. I have nothing. Okay, so, fair enough. If you want to evaluate the Twins and Yankees on the show today, I'll sit here and I'll politely chime in. But I've I'm got, done. I'm I've done got one thing, but that's it. Okay. I've got one thing. That's fair. Um, let's get back to some of these. Are we going to talk to Jace Frederick this hour, too? Waiting on uh, on a word from Jace. Okay, we might talk to Jace Frederick. He's the one who wrote the story, talked to Bernie Lee, Jimmy Butler's agent, but... I mean, the Wolves haven't been eliminated yet, and you got the owner talking openly, sort of questioning the success of the season. You got Jimmy Butler questioning the young players. Talking about going back to Chicago. Doesn't seem like everyone (laughs) is 100% aligned to uh, accomplish the same goals here, but we'll talk more about that. And Rick Spielman decoding his pre-draft press conference, an annual tradition on this show. Mackie and Judd are back. Man, that sounds good. On 1500 ESPN. Beard to the lane with a left hand, back heel, and it through! James Harden is unconscious in the third quarter! All right, Timberwolves. <laughs> Give it out left corner, Paul for a C, P, three! And the Rockets have hit 90! All right, Timberwolves. <laughs> James is straight away, on away three-pointer, another one! The Beard, unbelievable! Ten field goals! threes and he's got 31 all right timberwolves oh all right some tips all right mackie and judd all right great this is great fun radio show we got jimmy butler we got jimmy butler's agent we got glenn taylor all speaking publicly all sort of casting shadows upon the season and the makeup of the team and the organization uh if you're just joining us we're we we recapped it to start the show but Let's dive into one of these quotes from Bernie Lee here real quick, because I disagree 100% with something that Jimmy Butler's agent said. But Glenn Glenn Taylor essentially refused to call the season a success, saying he wants to wait until after the season to evaluate Tom Thibodeau's performance. He said this on WCCO, noting um, that the expectations are much higher because the Wolves brought in a bunch of veterans, and they basically have have met the bare minimum expectations for this season. But like to say that he's going to wait till after the year to evaluate Tom Thibodeau is like, Pretty eyebrow raising. The guy's got three years left on his contract, and yeah, okay. I mean, it's like that's what you would say if you're on the verge of maybe dismissing someone. Uh, Butler openly questioning teammates' desire to win, 
And let's let's get to this one here because this is like if if everything stays intact and the Wolves just look to take what they've done this year, which has been mostly successful, like relative to the franchise's history, and build on it. Glenn Taylor on WCCO made reference to Jimmy Butler like other top teams and top stars having to recruit veteran players to play for less money. Like go go get a three point shooter to play for less money than he would you know somewhere else. So, which, by the way, James Harden recruited Chris Paul to the Rockets. That's a little bit more than like a fringe three-point shooter veteran, but like it happens. Dwayne Wade recruited LeBron James. I mean, this is the type of stuff that happens all the time. If you want to really get those players on your team, um, the Warriors recruited Kevin Durant. Yeah. Like you have to do it. So, on that notion, Bernie Lee, Jimmy Butler's agent, said, "Quote: That's not Jimmy's role. I don't think that's something Jimmy should be responsible for." Jimmy should be responsible for trying to become the best player he possibly can and trying to help his organization win as many games as possible. I mean, that's one of the dumbest quotes I've ever read. If you think that in today's NBA, a superstar player who looks to win a championship is not responsible for reaching out and recruiting other players. Now, that's his agent speaking on behalf of Butler, so maybe there's a disconnect. But if that's the case, if Butler thinks that, like, well, I just need to nose to the grindstone and and put my blinders on and ignore everything else, then you're not going to get on the same level as the top four or five teams in the NBA. It's not going to happen. You don't think the Sixers were like some of those players were call, calling and texting J.J. Redick in the offseason? Of course they were. I feel like this entire story and what, what's going on here needs to be sort of pulled back. And and I feel I if you read the quotes at the surface, you're like, what what's he saying? What's the point here? But if you pull it back and let, let's go... Let's take a deep dive here and say, okay, let's take these quotes and and let's translate them. Here's what I think we've got. I think it's at least three-pronged. I think we've got Butler and Tibbs, peas in a pod. They want the exact same thing. They are essentially the same guy. If Tibbs could play, he would be Butler. So they're, they're in their corner. I think what we've got is Taylor versus Tibbs. Glenn Taylor saying, I have to evaluate no, you really don't. I mean, if you made it back to the playoffs, as you said before, his building is sold out. Unless you don't like Tibbs, which is very plausible, but unless you don't like him, there is nothing to evaluate here. Other other than privately sitting down with Tibbs once this is all said and done, there is no public evaluation here. There's no reason on God's green earth to mention that unless you're thinking of making a change. So what we have here developing, I think, is Taylor versus Tibbs, and if you're going to go after Tibbs, guess what? You're going after Jimmy, too. So so everything the Butler camp is saying is going to fly in Glenn Taylor's face because they don't like what he's doing. And then you've got the third prong, which is also problematic but a little bit different, and that is Butler and thus Tibbs versus Wiggins and Towns. They're looking at Andrew and Carl and saying, oh, you don't get it. You're you're watching Jimmy, but you're not you're not seeing what what Tom and Jimmy want. And so I think the most important thing, though, to unpack here is this. The owner doesn't seem to be on the same page with the president of basketball ops. And if that's the case, he's not on the same page with his superstar player. Yeah, it feels like Tom Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler spend a lot more time complaining about how others don't get it as opposed to helping them get it. I'm going to read this. This is an anecdote from the Chicago Sun-Times. Jimmy Butler speaking pretty openly about his thoughts on the team earlier this week. And again, like the prism through which I see and hear these things, it just, and and watching the whole season play out, 
and you've said it a million times, it does feel like Tom Thibodeau, Jimmy Butler, and Taj Gibson to some extent against everybody else, as opposed to, hey, we're gonna corral everybody else and we're gonna make we're gonna we're gonna instill everything that we know and feel about basketball and toughness and leadership, and we're gonna we're gonna instill that in all of you. And it almost feels like nine times out of ten, Tom Thibodeau, Jimmy Butler looking at the rest of the room saying, I mean, you guys are all you guys are all weak. You guys are all sissies, complaining. You don't get toughness as opposed to, well, of course they don't. Like this has been a losing franchise for 14 years. You don't just, you don't just bring a couple winning pieces in without a plan for wrapping your arms around the rest of the losing culture. It just, it feel, it feels like oil and water, and it, it should feel more blended. Here's what Jimmy Butler said. Uh, this is from the Chicago Sun-Times. There's obviously a price that goes into the pursuit of winning, and like he did with the Bulls all all too often, Butler feels he's the one footing most of the bill. Yes. Quote, <laughs> I just don't think there's been many people that have understood how important winning is to me, Butler said. I just had a conversation about that very thing with somebody. Not important who, but I put so much into this game, and I only play to win. I don't play for any individual stats or accolades, and at times I get lost in how everybody is not built the way that I'm built. The same with Tibbs. People don't understand that he puts so much time into his craft. He understands what it takes. But sometimes I just look around and I don't understand how or why you all don't love to get better the way that I do. And that's exactly why, end quote, that's exactly why Jimmy Butler's stay in Minnesota could be short. Butler, and to a certain extent, former Bull Taj Gibson, were brought in by Tom Thibodeau to teach toughness to young, talented players such as Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. Quote from Butler, Young guys in this league don't understand urgency. These guys don't understand that you never know what the league brings, the times they bring. I think they do understand what it takes to win here, and they continue to learn that. But decisions I make, the money, my contract, all of that will handle itself I don't ever worry about my money. I already have enough money for the rest of my life. It's all about winning. Um, Like, here's my question. What's more likely? That Tom Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler have done everything perfectly as leaders, and they're just stuck with, in terms of Towns and Butler, and maybe, I don't know, maybe there's some other guys, like maybe there's some veterans that fit this category, or Gorgie Jang, And they're just stuck with players. They just got unlucky. Like, yeah, these are talented players, but they just got stuck with players who don't give a rip and really just, like, don't get it. Or, so is that more likely? Or is it more likely that other organizations with better leadership, better coaching, maybe even star players who are better at empowering the less talented players and younger players around them, that they're better at creating that team environment where everyone is rowing the same direction. Yeah. Right? Second one. Like, that's what I think. Well, I I also think now... with these uh, stories and quotes that have come out and and Tibbs' reaction towards one thing in particular that I haven't been able to get until now, it's crystallized. It's Derrick Rose. Every time Tibbs is asked about Derrick Rose, he was asked about him in the pregame before Game 3, and it was a very, very innocuous question. Basically said, Derrick Rose is great, right? And he barked. Defensive, And I thought, what the hell? What's the problem here? Now, if you come up and say, Derrick Rose has been bad so far, or I don't get that, then I get him being defensive. But this was a very easy-to-answer question, and Tibbs still got defensive and gave a very uh, short, terse answer. And I said, I don't know why, but I do now. Derrick Rose has been added to what is essentially the Tibbs-Butler gang. 
And this is and the problem that you have here, I think, is factions developing. And Derek Rose, part of, of the reason I think that he was signed, Phil, was that gives you uh, Tibbs, Butler, Gibson, I think, and Derek Rose. And then you've got Taylor, Wiggins, Towns. And and the problem with this entire conversation is, within all of those people, who do you trust to get this right? And the answer, I think, is no one. The answer, if you thought that the Wolves were really well run, you would say to yourself, you know what? Ownership will work this out. But you don't say that. And so this is not a uh, a complete indictment of Tibbs and his crew, and it's not one of Glenn and his crew. What this is is looking for the answer of who's going to fix this. And the scary thing and why this team has been so bad for so long and why I don't have faith that this is going to improve long term now is because I, I still look at how this franchise is run and I say who's going to get this right, and my answer is I don't see that person yeah. And, I mean, like, we're saying all of this while they're in the middle of their first playoff series in 14 years. They just won, what is it, 47 games. Yep. And even though I'm frustrated by Jimmy Butler's, like, Jimmy Butler is exasperated, not because, like, I I think his exasperation stems from maybe his poor leadership in some ways. Like, I... He leads he he leads by example very well, and I want him on this team because he's an awesome basketball player. Yep. But obviously, in terms of communication, him and Tom Thibodeau have reached some sort of a divide when it comes his, to Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. His frustration is the exact same as Tibbs, and that's this: I show you what to do. Why don't you just do it? And it's not he always that realize, simple. Right, it's right. not always that but, simple. But Butler and Tibbs don't have that gene to look at people and be like, "Oh, you know what? This guy's just different." And I might not like it, but if I'm going to reach him, I've got to do this d- differently. Yeah. Those two look at you and say, I'm showing you exactly what to do. Why don't you get it? So is there a way to make it work and a way to get better from this point? Because they're gonna get they're probably gonna get beat tonight and then and then they're gonna be left with the reality of they're just not good enough to compete on that level, even though they have mostly a veteran roster and they're up against the luxury tax number with Andrew Wiggins' contract kicking in. You know what what are they able to do to make this team go from kind of a fringe playoff team or a team that like maybe like a mid-pack, like a 4-5 seed if Jimmy Butler was healthy, maybe a 3 seed, to actually being able to compete on that top level, which is when you go get Tom Thibodeau and pay him and Scott Layden $10 million a year, yeah. and you expedite the process by trading for Jimmy Butler, and you have young, talented guys, especially Carl Anthony Towns, you're not in it to be the 5 seed on an annual basis. Like There has to be a path to improving on what you've done. Very quickly, That's yes. going to be the most important thing. And uh, it sounds like, according to Jimmy Butler's agent, he's got one year left in his contract, and he ain't married to this. No. That makes it so much more complicated. No. He ain't married to this. Unfortunately for him, uh, unless he, he signs and go, goes to a team with, with superstars already in place, the problem is this. He's not ever going to be able to go to a place and lead a team himself. Because his style, which is fun to watch, and he's a great player, isn't ever going to rub off on enough players. The Carl Anthony Towns of the world are not going to look at Butler and say, okay, you do this, I'll do do the, the exact same thing. That might have worked at some point in time. It doesn't work now. Yeah, he's a rower. If I mean, there are, you've got two groups, right? You've got, you've got what's the name in, in crew of the person who literally like sits on the front of the boat and like guides? That's the coxswain, I believe. The coxswain? You've got the coxswains and you've got the rowers. I mean, Jimmy Butler is more of a rower. Yes. I mean, LeBron James LeBron. might be more of a coxswain, right? He's amazing at basketball, but he can also sort of take the crappy players under his arm and say, 
All right, here's and, how we're going to make you yeah, better. Yeah, and he's a he is a a, a once in a lifetime generational mega superstar. Jimmy Butler's a really good player. No, he's not a LeBron level, but he's not yeah. that. No. Uh, so if you want to chime in on this, is, it's all very nuanced too. I mean, it's like by no means are we saying, oh my god, get, get rid of Jim. like no. Jimmy Butler is awesome, and you want him on this team. Yeah. Um, I could, I mean, I could definitely do without Tom Thibodeau, but six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five. 1500, and we have to decode pre draft Rick Spielman, Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackie, Judd Zogad. I want to say thanks for uh, being one of the local radio stations that's been brutally honest, but you guys have been in it from the ground floor, which is great. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. I don't think disappointing is the word. I just think that we know that we can be better and we have to do better. But uh, it's not over yet. It's still the first person to, to four, first team to four. Um, we just got to go and. Um, Get one here in Houston. I think you and you and I both like secretly love these nuanced talkers where there's it's not black or white. There's a lot of gray area, and it's not as simple as like I think this about this and this. You got you got during a playoff series, Glenn Taylor speaking to WCCO, our buddy Chad Hartman, um, not ready to declare the season a success, saying he's going to evaluate Tom Thibodeau after the year, which is sort of odd because like this, are you on the verge of firing Tom Thibodeau? Why would you say that? Uh, that Jimmy Butler needs to recruit veteran players this offseason. Then Jimmy Butler's agent comes out to the Pioneer Press. He's like, that's not Jimmy's job. Yeah. Also, like, and then Jimmy Butler's agent took issue with some of the things Glenn Taylor was saying about the surgery choices. Yeah, that, and like, I, that was another thing, too. And that was weird, and, and, and I almost think that that was just part and parcel of the frustration here. Because, like, who really cares? He didn't have, you know, I mean, as as. Far as I know, with that type of knee surgery, he did have two choices, and one would have kept him out for a long time, and one wouldn't. And I'm not surprised that, that he picked the one that wouldn't. So, among all of these things, what surprises you the most? Because there's one thing to me, especially in the midst of where things stand in a playoff run, among all these quotes and people talking, what that's been said surprises you the most? Because I've got one for sure. Um, I mean, like I'm never really that interested in what surprises me or not. I guess so. I don't. I don't. I, you go but ahead and, and deliver. I'm interested. Yours. I'm. I'm interested from the fact though that the timing is really odd, not probably appropriate, and that's the owner talking about the coach's future right now. The Butler stuff. Okay, if this was just Butler, it would be. It would be intriguing. But players do this. Players get mad about weird stuff, and I get it. Jimmy sure. Jimmy came here. Here's here's my guess. Tibbs told Jimmy, Jimmy, you should come here, and we're going to win a championship. And now they're one game away from being eliminated in the first round. And he's like kind of pointing And Jimmy's like, yeah, this isn't what I really thought it would be. Players getting upset happens every single day. For sure. But ownership openly talking about a guy with a multi-year contract who's not just your, your head coach but also your president of basketball ops – and coming out and, as far as I can tell, saying, well, you know what? I expected more here. I mean, he's Glenn Taylor is saying, I brought Tibbs here to make lengthy playoff runs. And instead of saying, you know, hey, Chad, for the first time in 14 years, we're in the bleeping playoffs. Yeah. And my building sold out. Glenn Taylor is saying, I'm going to sit down after the, the year and evaluate, which the only path that we can then go down is to say, oh, okay, that one really surprises me because – in this case, I think Glenn, Glenn among everybody, has to be the adult in the, the room. Glenn has to be the one who just says, no, 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 we're not going to talk about that. You know, he, Even if he's going to fire him, I'm not going to talk about that yet. And so that's the one that catches me, and it shouldn't, but it catches me a little bit off guard. I think, let me answer it this way. I think what, what 
and I I don't know this. I'm not reporting this. I'm just like this is just speculation, maybe educated speculation. It's not totally like out of whole cloth. I think Glenn Taylor is surprised at how Tom Thibodeau lacks empathy on almost every level. I mean, Tom Thibodeau is one of the least empathetic coaches I've ever personally encountered in my 12, 15 years in this industry. You know, there's a lot of people lump Tom Thibodeau in with other surly coaches, right? Well, Greg Popovich is surly and frigid, and Mike Zimmer is surly. But I know that, like, I know I know Greg Popovich is a human being as well. I know Greg Popovich is empathetic and builds connections with people. Very empathetic, yes. I know that Mike Zimmer has gone through the death of a wife. And, like, Mike Zimmer has gone through things that have made him human. And and he went through, we had a couple tweets from people earlier in the show asking, is it possible that, like Mike Zimmer, maybe you can listen to some players and change your ways and find better ways to connect with your team so that you can get better? I mean, Tom Coughlin did that with the Giants. They won a Super Bowl. I don't know if I believe in Tom Thibodeau's ability to change gears in that way. I don't I don't think he has the empathetic gene. I mean, do we know any like do we know anything about Tom Thibodeau other than just like basketball lifer and grinder? Has Here's, he ever shown any ability to has he shown a human side the, to him the only, ever to you? The only thing I can tell you is is he learned from Mussy. And must see if you go back and look, won here immediately because he knew how to grind wins from okay, certainly not great players. I think that's his background. I think his background is coach lifer, and if he has to coach in in the CBA, he would. And if he can coach here, great. Uh, but I just go back with Zim. I go back to, to the Packers game 2016 where, where the players basically were tired of Zim and things had f- fallen apart. And Zim probably wasn't doing a great job. And Mike Zimmer made it very clear. And I I think he sat down and he talked to his players and said, what went wrong? Which, can I, which takes can I a see, lot to say that. It does. But, I mean, can I, can I, see, can I see Tibbs now pulling in Cat and Andrew and saying, all right, I don't necessarily like how you, you guys do things, but how am I at fault? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. It It is, to me, very telling. When I cannot find a post-game presser after a Wolves loss this year where Tibbs has ever once said, you know what, that's on me. Mm-hmm. There's not one. No. It's always we have or, or or they have to do this or we have to do or, or or this implying constantly that if they would just do things his way, they'd be fine, which is absolutely not true. I think you have to have some compassion and you have to have a little bit of humility in order to to really forge that connection with a group of 15 guys. And it just Popovich I, definitely does. Yes. Let's take a call on the 651-646-8255. Doogie's going to come in for a scoop. He's actually going to come in a little early. He just texted us. He wants to continue this conversation, so he might come in at 10 o'clock. So, uh, Dan, you're on the show. Hey, guys. This is a great conversation. I also agree that it's multi-layered and nuanced and all that. But I also I agree with you, Phil. I'm not a huge Tibbs fan. I keep coming back to uh, if we lose Tibbs, we lose Butler. I'm not a fan of that. Um, yeah. If that were how it were to go. I think the key to me is that if Towns, is it Wiggins and Towns, in theory, is this Wiggins and Towns that Butler has a, has an issue with together? It sure, I believe so. It sure I mean, reads like yeah, it. The way the story was set so? up, real yes. quick, the way the story was set up, and, 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 uh, Joe Cowley is the one who wrote it, and Joe has Joe covered Jimmy Butler, and and like the, Joe Joe's a great reporter, and uh, and he wrote 
And he kind of he kind of went around like he didn't put those two names in Jimmy Butler's mouth, but he wrote Butler was brought in by Tom Thibodeau to teach toughness to young, talented players, such as Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. And then the quote from Butler is, young guys in this league don't understand urgency. And then he went and ripped young guys in this league. He's, to me, he's clearly ripping Towns and Wiggins without yeah, directly I, quoting I their I, names. Sure, I guess I just, I don't know that he does imply Towns there, because I feel like Towns does care. To, to me, if, if, if Towns is in that at all, that's a problem because I don't want to lose either. I, I literally don't want to choose between either. I think they both are a great combination with potential and they can get over it. Wiggins, I just couldn't care less. Like if Wiggins' feelings are hurt, like I'd ship him to Siberia tomorrow. For, for, <laughs> for what? Know, some, Draft pick from Siberia? For, for someone from the Kremlin. I, I don't even care, seriously. I mean, like Wiggins, <laughs> if, his, if his feelings are hurt, I just that's so immaterial to me. But I, I think Towns and Butler – if you lose either one of those, you just go back to another 15 years of garbage and and Glenn Taylor. Yes, I don't love Tibbs, but I just every time I think of like we're in no place to pick and choose. If we lose Tibbs, we'll probably rehire David Kahn. I just have no faith in Glenn Taylor. So I think that's the key is to uh, try to get both Towns. If if indeed Towns and Butler have some friction because Towns is more loyal to Wiggins, which I'm more worried about that because I know those guys are close. Try to mend that relationship. Wiggins, who cares? I mean, we've, we've paid that guy a max deal. We bend over backwards to him. I mean, uh, you know, Taylor even had a conversation with him. Are you on board? Are you going to change? Yeah, of course I am. And he's, he's the same robotic guy. Yeah, it's like, wait, so if I say yes, yeah. I get how much money? Yeah. Okay, yes. So I will you'll change, change right? Yeah. Oh, definitely I'll change. I'll yeah. be a new human being. Yeah. The guy just, oh, I love my shot. I'm so in love with my Oh, jumper. I know. I, I just want to vomit every time. The guy <laughs> yeah, you and me both. I was standing right yeah. there. Dan, thank, thanks so, for the call, man. We're up against the clock here. So, so Dan, I don't think that this is an Andrew and Towns uh, necessarily as peas in a pod themselves. We've heard enough, Phil, behind the scenes to know that there is some there is some dissension from the Butler camp about how Towns conducts his his business personally. Yes. And the fact that Towns is enamored with the fact that he's going to be a star and can make lots off of being a star. So uh, that being said, though, this all comes back to the very important thing, which is Jimmy Butler having friction is not a problem. The problem is there's no one there to sort it out. And the fact that Butler and Tibbs are are bound together is a problem because what you would like your president of the basketball ops especially to have is the ability to come downstairs and say, gentlemen, we're going to work this out. The, the question today is with all these quotes floating around, who works it out? The answer is I don't know, and I don't trust the people that should. Yeah, I mean, hey, the franchise has a great history of working these things out, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, where's Kevin Garnett these days? Yeah. Not here. Uh, Doogie's got more information on all of this, and we're going to bring him in in like 15 minutes. Uh, When we come back, let's start. We can do this throughout the show. Decoding Rick Spielman's pre-draft press conference, an annual tradition. Please listen carefully. Mackie and Judd now continue. Let's go, people. Let's get it going. ESPN. It's not enough just to have casual Fridays. We need casual Thursdays as well. And you can do that by signing your business up for the 28th annual Dress for LLS. And enjoy casual Thursdays throughout the month of May. Businesses across the state will come together this May to join LLS in the fight against blood cancers for a minimum of just $5. Participants earn the right to dress casual or in a company-themed Thursdays in May. The top company receives a bowling party at Park Tavern. For more info or to register, visit 1500ESPN.com keyword events.
draft, 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 yeah, so tomorrow night, right here on 1500 ESPN, we'll have the ESPN national coverage, ESPN radio's coverage of the NFL draft. And uh, you and I and Manny Hill, we're still working out some details here. We're, so you and I are going to do intermittent, like, sort of local commentary. And uh, we might even fire up the the Facebook Live machine, too, do a little Mystery Science Theater 3000 later in the first round. Mm-hmm. And then full coverage from... I was going to say Winter Park again, but uh, the whatever, the Twin Cities or TCO, right? Sure. TCO Center. TCO How about Center. that? That works. Okay. Uh, that's going to be Matthew Collar, Courtney Cronin from ESPN will be on a Purple Podcast, so a lot of fun. All right. It's time for our annual. We're going to do this throughout the show. Decoding Rick Spielman's pre-draft press conference, which you sat through many of those as a Vikings beat <laughs> oh, writer. Yeah. Oh, I did. Where he spends 30 minutes telling you he fills 30 minutes of space verbally. Oh, yeah. Um, but it's, it's propaganda, yep. it's smoke screens, and you are left to decipher what he really means in this press conference. And we always know this, Phil Mackey, the phone is constantly ringing. Oh, off the hook. Let's start with this one, all right? You know, the trade thing, I know everybody talks about wanting to trade up, trade down. There's always, I've had four calls over the last two days. Okay. How would you decode that? Now, I'm not, I don't think he was asked directly, how many calls have you received? I think that was just... Him floating out, hey, the bidding is open. Yep. We'd like to trade down. Yep, yep. The decoding is exactly that, that we are open to trade down, which means they really, really badly want to trade down so Rick can get more picks. You know, everybody in the mock world and the experts out there are saying it's O-line, O-line, O-line. But when you look at your roster, you have to look at, okay, where are some other holes that you're going to have to fill? And if you look at, you know, that's why I'm looking at the 2019 roster as well. Guys who are not under contract. Uh, what if there's a significant player that's there at 30 that could potentially fill a need, you know, may have a role this year, but definitely fill a need in the future. Uh, he just said, I'm taking a guard. <laughs> he, just, he just said, I'm taking a guard. I don't know if I'm doing it at the end of the first round or in the second round, but I'm taking a guard. I mean, he's trying to tell you, I know that all of you think we're going to take a guard. We're probably going to take a guard, but we might not. Yep, yep. You just keep we in mind. We might take a tackle. Keep in mind, we can take somebody else. No, you're taking a guard. Yeah. We might take a quarterback. Who knows? Oh, you know? I love these. Need a backup quarterback. Not sure about Trevor Simeon. I love this. All right, let, what about this one here? We're decoding Rick Spielman's pre-draft press conference. Oh, you want to draft good football players is what you want to draft. <laughs> and, and that's what we're going to do. <laughs> all right, that's saying I, I promise that this time... I'm not taking Matt Khalil. Or Laquan Treadwell. Or, yes, that's what he's saying. This time I'm not going to take when, someone who's not a good football player. What's your follow-up to that be, why haven't you always taken good football players then in the first round? Yeah, Rick, are you saying that you don't consistently take Why did players? you take Christian Ponder and Laquan Treadwell? <laughs> They're a, not good at football. That'd be a great comeback Doesn't to him. Does make sense? Well, again, again, Phil, you have to uh, know that we are trying to take good football players. Oh, you want to draft good football players is what you want to draft. And, and that's what we're going to do. How, how, how do you how do you feel on behalf of your newspaper and beat reporter brethren that you're just sort of ushered into this press conference area strictly to be vehicles for propaganda, vehicles for Rick Spielman and Vikings pre-draft propaganda? Well, this is an extreme example, but I mean, my God, that ha- happens consistently with sports teams, right? But this, this is, is like the, the wor- most this extreme is the worst example. one. It's hilarious. I think it's absolutely hilarious that this is why a lot of times. Your your most successful ventures in this job are done without quotes 
and without hearing crap like that. Because all they're trying to do, Rick is trying to do in this case, is lead you down a path that you don't want want to go down, right? Like, let's say there's four paths. And you, if you showed up for that press conference, you were on maybe the right path or sort of the, the right path. Well, Rick's got three paths, and they're all going to lead you to being completely lost. Yeah. So I would say that. I would say press conferences look like this are hilarious. But as far as, as being productive, they are not because all Rick's trying to do is mislead you. You want to draft good football players is what you want to draft. And and that's what we're going to do. I love that comeback, though. So why didn't you? Well, I mean. So, why, so Rick, why did you take Laquan? In fairness, Khalil had some foot problems, so there's that. I don't yeah, know. And he had a good first year, yeah. un- unlike Treadwell, who's been nothing but a bust. All right, Doogie, uh, in the middle of our Tom Thibodeau and Wolves nuanced discussion, Glenn Taylor, all these all these quotes flying around in the middle of a playoff run here. And Doogie texted, say, I got to get up there. Let's do it a segment early. We're going to do a scoop session when we come back and explore the space uh, with Doogie from Channel 5. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio.